people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for watching rocking and tuning in with all my content i'm back again for another edition of the deluded podcast we've been away for a second obviously there's been the international break and there's not been enough things of really relevant sorry to speak about but we're back the premier league is back there's a couple of things i'd like to get off my chest and speak about so let's crack on for the next 30 minutes or so people like i said at the beginning thank you very much for tuning back in and thank you people for supporting me across everything i do on across all the platforms i do we've hit 15,000 subscribers on youtube for example recently and we're a couple hundred away from 600 from 600 from um from from 16,000 people so that's a quick rise of a, of from 15 to 16 and i can't do that without you guys man and by the end of the season i'm really trying to hope on 20,000 so we'll fingers crossed but there's a lot to speak about first and foremost we might as well speak about jose Mourinho. now before we get into some statistical data i have in relation to jose Mourinho. I saw something just actually a few minutes ago before I literally started this podcast, people, in which he said he won't make the same mistakes at Tottenham in which he's made previously, people. Obviously, Jose Mourinho's um, been out of the game for 11 months, shows how quick life goes, but in, 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 in football terms, even quicker because it feels like he's just left United. But he said he's described himself as humble in his first press conference. And before I carry on... Jose was in classic Jose mood in that conference because he was, I can't remember the question word for word people, but he was asked a question about, oh, how was Pochettino feeling after the Champions League final or something like that? And he replied, I don't know. I've never lost the Champions League final. Classic Jose. But he said, I realise I've made mistakes. I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'll make new mistakes, but not the same. I'm humble, humble enough to try and analyse my career, not just last year, but the whole thing. The evolution, the problems and the solutions, not to blame anyone else. It was a great thing. I went really deep with that analysis. A break was very positive for me. It was the first summer I did not work and I felt a little bit at a loss during pre-season. And so obviously, um, and, and he's gone on to say he actually doesn't need new players, people. And for me, he's being a bit smart in that. Now, obviously, Spurs need new players. Just look at the dynamics. There's several question marks over their key players futures they just need new life obviously levy and jose whether there's money to spend for spurs in january to upgrade the side in any capacity is for another podcast or for another edition people but there is going to be i think at least one edition i think there'll be a, there'll be a decent amount of money to spend now the word decent is subjective and i think he's being very smart i don't know if they've got legit interest from other like I don't know if they're in talks with other clubs and they don't want to let it be known that they're interested in new players because obviously apologies people from a business point point of view that's not good because people know Spurs you could argue Spurs are quite desperate I also feel from Jose Mourinho from a coaching perspective he's probably already made up his mind about several players at Spurs regardless of if he's just been named a manager or not but I think what a part of that message would it was kind to g up the whole team in that yo listen Poch is gone I'm here everybody has a sort of chance to prove themselves sort of thing because if I was hearing that and I'm the young players like Magomar and Skip who he's name dropped Spurs have to use the academy or I'm players that might have been frozen out under under Pochettino or players that are key it's going to let everybody know that there's places in the side and we start again so I do think there'll be at least one addition because 
Spurs, you could argue there's a couple of areas to introduce. Now, will he win the title or trophy or significant trophy or trophy of any capacity? If Jose is there for three years, you'd imagine so. He'd win at least one trophy. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's got 15 major honours to his name. He, he wins everywhere he goes. And for Spurs fans, however good Pochettino was, don't get me wrong, if Jose wins the Carling Cup, I don't think that's better than Poch. But at the end of the day, it's a trophy, something Pochettino failed to do. And I know a lot of Spurs fans are hungry for trophies. The one thing I'm scared of is because Spurs are probably the only top six club that there's no real expectations on them whether they win, lose or, or not. Like, let's let's be 100% honest. Like, nobody asks his questions of Tottenham if they don't win the league title or things like that, despite having one of the best squads for a number of years. Um, so I think that expectation can feed into Jose because at Chelsea and United, it was quite different. Spurs kind of, for me, Spurs... To coin the term Spursy, there was a period in that Spurs had a sort of siege mentality under Pochettino. Who who better to create that than Jose Mourinho, people, really and truly? Because Chelsea fans, I don't know if they're still fond of him or not. Regardless of what he's done, he's given you a lot of trophies. He's obviously obviously joined Spurs, so that's going to, you know, it's going to ruffle a few feathers. Obviously, he's, he's never managed Arsenal, but Jose and Arsenal seem, it's, it's our nemesis. And he's, and he's got United, so that could probably unnerve some people. Obviously, you typically see players, like one week players are playing like, like Sunday League and then the next week under a new manager, they're playing like Barcelona. I am wary of Spurs players doing that. I mean, what, they're 14th, they've struggled for wins and clean sheets and a lot of things. Hopefully that continues, people. But I'm wary of a, at least a, a short-term uptick in form, which typically happens under a new manager. And many people will look at Arsenal and say, yo, if, if Spurs, if it doesn't work, then of course, Obviously, there's nothing Spurs really could do because if if he persisted with Poch, um, I would if I was a Spurs fan, I would have been calm with that. But if he persisted with Poch, people would have said, "Why didn't you sack him?" If this Jose thing doesn't work, especially because of the financial outlay, people are gonna question why 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 you did that sort of thing. So there's nothing he could do. But many people would say that's ambitious when you compare North London rivals Arsenal still persisting with a manager. This managerial change potentially could make the difference in regards to them getting top four, potentially, because we all know how tough the top four race is. It's seven teams now. Leicester have come and complicated it even more. Um, I don't know if Spurs will get Champions League, but these sort of things can pick them. Jose, I said his United job was the hardest job of his life, and I genuinely do believe that at the time, because I think there was a lot of question marks, not just over the team, but over him. And I, I still believe that to a degree, but also feel the Spurs one is... Whether he gets money or not is a different story because at the end of the day, they there's a there's an option not to buy La Celso for a fairly handsome sum. They spent a decent money on, on Endombile. If they sell certain players in January, rearrange the books, there could be money to spend. But I feel he's got off... He knows how to build a side. It's not a coaching... It is a coaching thing, but it's not a youngster thing, but he knows how to build, build a side. But I think he's got to use the academy. There's question marks over the players. Obviously, the stadium really and truly stadium and qualification for the Champions League is probably um, stadium paying off the stadium and qualifying for the Champions League is probably the biggest important to Spurs. Of Spurs, of course, Spurs fans want to win trophies and want to win Champions Leagues and things like that. But if Jose was to win an FA Cup, if he, if if Levy was to be presented with two realities that Jose wins FA Cup or Jose gets qualification via finishing fourth, I think he's picking the latter because of the financial rewards. Wenger got a lot wrong in his time at Arsenal towards the end. One thing he wasn't wrong on is that people will look at the top four like it's a trophy, qualifying for the top four like it's a trophy, people. Um, 
I can't lie, I am. I have small hope it goes it goes terribly wrong for Jose at Spurs, and we see a flat midfield free of Harry Winks, Oliver Skip, and Eric Dyer. And if I was Dyer, I'd relish Dyer and Young Wan Yama to answer Soko. These sort of players should relish playing under Jose. If I was a young centre half as well, like Magoma or whatever, I would be relishing Jose because the one thing Jose does do is give a centre half, a young centre half, chances to some capacity. Obviously, look at Varane. I'm sure he was the first one to give Axel Tshabi a chance at United. And obviously, Chelsea fans, there might be some examples there. But you know what you're going to get with Jose. He, we got to remember at United, he finished second one year and he won the Europa League for as much as they deteriorated in all the circus. That I wouldn't say it's a success, but it's not exactly a failure. So if he can pip Spurs to second, get Spurs second next year or whatever, get Champions League qualification, potentially win a trophy, then it's money well spent. There's no way around it. It is an expensive gamble. And you could say in an alternative reality, while you can say it's ambitious of Levy and it shows a direction, you could say it's panic because you've got question marks over players. They need to inject youth. They need to develop players. Jose can coach and develop, but would you necessarily say that's a strong point of his? Is he the modern day developing coach putting an arm around players? No. Obviously, Jose hasn't brought some of his backroom staff and he's got new ones in, but he's instantly one of the highest paid managers now and he's on a three-year deal. Shout out to his agent for getting him that financial security. But if it goes terribly wrong, jo um, Levy doesn't have a leg to stand on if, it do if this expensive gamble doesn't work out because you're going to have to, if you clip Jose in a year or two from now, big compensation. You're paying him big wages already. Um, you probably, for me, I don't know if they'll give him money, but if you're going to give him his wages, Jose's wages and go through all this trouble, then you don't exactly need to be Real Madrid spending. But you, you'd imagine surely you, you free up the purse strings for, for Jose because you've gone so far now. What's the point turning back and doing things in half measures? You can say it's a panic in that they didn't go out there and go for a trainer coach or more radical option. They saw an experienced, steady pair of hands available and similar to Emre. Emre was available at the time when Arsenal got him. Obviously, I'm not comparing Jose and, and Emery because Jose's a bad boy in this in this managerial game. Shout out to Emery for winning Europa League, but there's no contest. Emery will not be remembered in football, in my opinion. Um, but you you get the point, people. It could be just it was a safe option, and I guess Jose's still a proven winner. It's still Jose Mourinho. His history can't be wiped, people. If we were to just look at his statistics, people, as well, there are some interesting statistics. Uh, apparently, he's got the same win percentage um, at Manchester United as Pochettino at Spurs, which is at 1.8%. Um, I mean, his points per game, sorry, is 1.8%. Um, yeah, it's at one point, it's at 1.8%. Um, his win percentage overall at United was 53.8. Um, that was his lowest of his managerial career for obvious, for obvious reasons, people. It was a, it was a, it was a struggle for him, people. Um, Obviously, you need to remember Jose Jose Mourinho has the fifth best points per game ratio of all managers to manage 50 games. Um, only Klopp, Conte, Ferguson and, and Guardiola are ahead of him in such people. Um, so, yeah, man, um, he's the quickest to reach both. But however, he's one of the quickest managers to reach both 50, 50 wins and 100 win landmarks in the Premier League. Um, he's 10 games away from winning 200 games in the Premier League as manager. Only four managers in the league have done better, which is Wenger, Redknapp, Moyes and Sir Alex Ferguson, which obviously longevity purposes. So that's a decent record. I think Jose is going to be a success. Of course, I'm not going to lie. I hope it's the typical Jose and that he's there for three years. He starts, you know, he starts playing Harry Kane left back. He starts going through busts ups and whatnot with people. It'd be lovely people. Um, 
what would what would adore him to Arsenal? I mean, to Spurs fans, in um, he's defeated Spurs f- um, thirteen times. Um, this is more than he's any other opponent. Obviously, West Ham is his first game on sun- Saturday. Sorry, um, he's defeated West Ham nine times as boss. What I meant, what would, what would make Spurs fans happy in that you look at Jose Mourinho's record, he's played 20 games against Arsenal and he's won 10, a 50% win ratio. Arsenal and Spurs shouldn't be looking at each other this season because there's bigger fish to fry for both clubs, but that will put him in a good in a good thing. His win percentage against Liverpool is 42.9%. Um, don't know why I mentioned that, people, really and truly. Against Man United and City, they're both, it's both 45 apiece. Um... Yeah, they're the only relevant teams really on the sheet that I'm looking at. But hopefully, Jose Mourinho is not a success. We need to remember he's lifted the league in every country he's managed in. And he's the only manager to um, have won both the Champions League and the UEFA Super Cup. I mean, the UEFA Cup slash Europa League on more than one occasion. So, yeah, man, you already know Jose is a serial winner, man. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's got, what, 15 major honours like it's Jose Mourinho, people. Um it's Jose Mourinho. It is what it is in that regards. Um, <clears throat> apparently, um, they tried to get um, Luis Campos from Leo as their director of football. If you look at Leo's model in terms of the, the young squad they have and how they assemble teams, and at a point they had one of the youngest teams in Europe, that model could have fitted into Spurs, especially with saving money, building teams and whatnot, and making profits, all which can apply to the stadium build. Um, so I'm happy that didn't happen. All of Pochettino's backroom staff, I believe, have joined him in departing the club. Um, yeah, man. In regards to Pochettino, apparently the, the Bayern Munich hierarchy are known, are known long-term admirers of him. And you've seen reports come out that he potentially could join Bayern Munich. Now, for Poch, it's probably expected he'll take a couple of months out. I mean, he's been at Spurs for three to five years. I can't remember. I think it's five. And you've got to remember, as a manager, it's exhausting people. Everything he does is praised and scrutinised. Every everything he's having to macro or micromanage along with his coaching staff. He's having there's always questions and decisions that he's had to deal with that we don't necessarily see. He's also got to manage the relation with Daniel Levy. He's also got to deal with all the stuff that goes with players, players playing, not playing. How does he reinvent himself? How does he rebuild the squad? You see what I'm saying? You see the work he's done for five years at Spurs and the Champions League final was kind of the final end product and it was almost the glass ceiling for Poch and, and, and Spurs in their current shape and dynamic. So he needs to take a break, man. It's, it's high demanding. It's probably cost him a lot of his personal life. I'm sure he could be spending time with his family and his wife and, you know, but he's working as a manager. This is, this is, this is what you get, people. This is, this is what you signed up for. So for me, for him, he should take a long break, break, return to his homeland in Argentina, go and do what makes his, you know, go and meet family and do what makes the heart go thunder. He's a very big watcher of La Liga. So go and watch Espanol a couple times. Who knows? Do what pundit people. And then if this Munich thing is true, end of the season, go and do that, man. And I think the Munich job would be good for him. He'd have the financial capacity to do what he wants. He is a good coach, but we'd really be able to scrutinise his coaching ability and playing attacking football and whatnot because he'd have the facilities to do such so i like poch i mean poch if you want to come to arsenal come to arsenal but we all know that one day ain't happening people he, he, he's an espanol man he said he wouldn't manage barcelona i believe him but i don't i think if barcelona offered you the thing i think you'd revisit what you're saying but everyone's entitled to their own thingy people moving away from that though people Mark Sampson, the caretaker boss of stevenage has been has caught another racism charge people this relates obviously to 
um, discussing potential transfer targets and kind of being discouraged um, by signing a player because of their Nigerian origin or heritage. Now, I don't need to tell you the long conventional stereotypes that I held in football with a lot of black individuals and specifically African nations, especially Nigeria. I'm not going to sit here and name them. For me, it's appalling, but I can't say it's surprising because Mark Sampson is a repeat offender. He's, he's someone that's dismissed it as banter. He's someone that's abused his position as an academy coach and struck up an inappropriate relationship with an academy player while they are, I believe they were 18 years of age and legal. Is this someone you really want around in, in positions of trust and positions you've got, to, you've got to be conduct yourself in a certain sort of way? God knows what he says behind closed doors. And he seems to have a problem with Nigeria specifically. You look at Aluko's, Aluko's stuff. You look at this. There's many tasks, man. And I must admit, when he was England manager, if you're Nikita Parrish and all them players that were sprinting and busting over, busting your hamstrings to sprint over to him, it's damning. And you should all feel like clowns. And it shows that sometimes the biggest barriers to breaking down racism can, one, be around people, and two, can be fear. Because I can guarantee the majority of that English side, side shout to Le, um, Leanne, I believe her name is, because she stood with Aluko. The majority of the English side probably knew he was racist, but all they thought about was, if I start take a side, I might not play for England. While I don't condone it, I understand the thought process because it's crabs in a barrel, but it's sad. And I feel a lot of them players, Tony Duggan, who's a kick it out rate, um, ambassador who was seen in blackface, that, that Chris, is, is it not Chris? That is it, Hewton or Houghton or whatever name is the short centre half, twat. A lot of them should feel like crap people. A lot of them. But would they? No, because they don't simply care. And for Mark Sampson, the man shouldn't be managing in football again. But the reality is he will get another position, people. He will get another role. You think he you think he's the he is the one of the worst offenders, but you don't think these views are widespread in football. It's an old guards network, people. Old boys network, sorry. These same views are, are widespread in football. Football is surrounded by a lot of dinosaurs and it's going to take a while to change. Guys like him, this twat is going to get a, a slap on the wrist really and truly. Maybe a fine, maybe a little suspension. Give it a, a couple of months to the dust settles and he'll be back in football, people. But he's um, got until the 6th of December to um, respond to this latest charge. But I mean, lepers don't change their spots and twats are twats and he's shown it, people. I don't know what black people have done to him. I don't know what, you know, his girlfriend must have cheated. And you know what they say about once you go to a certain thing, you don't go back. But this guy's ignorant, man. Football mirrors society and likewise. And I feel football doesn't need twats like this in the game. Like there's a lot of people, whether you're white, black, whatever, that are good people. And need guys like this ruin the inclusive game, which is football. Like it doesn't matter if you're white, black, girl, boy, whatever as long as you say i want to play football you can all come and join in and that's the beauty of the game at the basis level and you've got people like this exploiting it we've seen many examples if it's not him it's mark sam if it's not mark sampson it's it's it's, it's beardsley didn't arsenal get rid of a couple people because of bullying claims and whatnot and potential racism claims there's there's these incidences everywhere people it happens it happens you'll be surprised and you can only imagine what happens behind closed doors people really and truly like you'll be surprised so i can't say i'm shocked but it is what it is and yeah man all i'd say to the likes of nikita Parrish and things like that and even he's got nothing to do with it but i'm surprised john barnes hasn't come out and 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 defended mark sampson in fact david james is a twat and david james even deleted deleted his, his tweets because this is what happens when you sell out yourself and, and you chat rubbish remember the field in the house 
Remember the story about the field in the house. People know what I'm talking about. And also remember the word integrity. I think a lot of people lack the word integrity, especially in the media and football because they're chasing bags. I even see a certain... I can't, I can't believe it, people. I, I will leave it for, for it. I, I don't need to name names and stuff. But there's a certain manager, a black manager, who when he couldn't get a job, he was repping. He was doing all the, oh, it's discrimination. In fact, before that, he wasn't. He was asked by, is it Martin Martin Gregg or whatever his name is? When when he the people that get criticised for not reforming the, the the FA and I criticised them as well when they actually were trying to make changes and trying to um, meet black coaches and whatnot anonymously to get their feelings a certain manager didn't want to take part and he's I was, I've been at a physical um, talk where he said it people he said he didn't want to be there um, when he when he had a position and it was almost a thing where the vibe was well I've got my role I'm not getting involved. The minute this guy lost his role, people, you saw him at every kick it out event, on every on every Sky Sports thing to do with racism and whatnot. And lo and behold, he's got another role actually within foot within football, within the England setup, and you and you don't see none of that again. You really got to start looking at some of these individuals, people. But yeah, moving on from one racial incident to another, people. Shakhtar, the next captain, Tyson, has been given a one rep match banned in in Ukraine. Obviously, this comes after reacting to the to the racism that he faced a couple of weeks ago on the field against Dynamo Kiev in the one 0 victory. He obviously made a gesture, a gesture, um, a gesture, and play was halted on the, in the seventy seventh minute. After which, five minutes later, Tyson was shown a red card. Now, it is degrading. It is. I mean, it's almost baffling. It's only. It's. It, let's be honest. It's only black people that get treated like this, really and truly, in the sense of. You don't re- you, you you react you don't react you're told you're told be bigger than the bullies and be bigger than these racists and things and yeah that's true and you shouldn't always react but that kills you mentally you react you're called a barbarian you're punished more than the actual racist now I'm sure Shakhtar not Shakhtar Dynamo there might be a fine stadium ban but nothing of significance Tyson was reduced to tears this is someone that's paid taxes in Ukraine he's been in Ukraine for a number of years he's been nothing but a positive contribution to society. Sadly, people only see skin. And many people will say, oh, why doesn't he get out of there? Why is he black playing in there? The same thing they say with Italian football and Spanish and whatnot. And I hear that. But it's not as white and black as that, people. You need to remember, the likes, the countries like Ukraine and, and things like that, that's very much... Not every not every young Brazilian or South American goes straight to Barcelona. A lot of them make a stop-off. If it's not here, it's Portugal. Um, because of work permit laws, they stop off in Ukraine and things like that. Um... That's their first little route into in, 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 into football. You look at William people. You look at Douglas Costa at Juventus. This is their first their first little route in. They get there, they play their games, and then they move on to other things. And if it's not there, it's other countries. You've seen a lot of Brazilians and African-based players playing a whole bunch of countries. The typical ones, France, Spain. Obviously, there's a lot of migrants in Italy. There's players in, in Romania. What, didn't Paulinho, former Spurs player, go to Bulgaria at one point? So it is what it is, and it's sad because he's done nothing but be a captain in that country, do, done nothing but be, be a positive contribution. He ain't done nothing to harm anybody, and he's been reduced to tears. He's been made to feel less as a person, and now he's missing out on a one-match ban. He's missing out on a game, people. Um, the, the, the the Ukrainian Football Association, people, um, has, has, has actually... Um, ordered Dynamo to play one game behind closed doors and also buying buy, um, find them, sorry, 16,000. They've also been placed on probation for the rest of the season. Big whoop. Big, 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 big whoop. Big whoop. Um, I think representatives like of a union defending Tyson have said 
Sanctioning, sanctioning a victim of racial abuse is beyond comprehension and it plays into the hands of those who promote this kind of disgusting behaviour. Facts, people. It's 100% facts. But at the end of the day, we're told... We might not be told directly, pardon me, but we're told every day that these people do not care about black issues. These people do not care about racism. They don't. Because they wouldn't mock it if they did. They wouldn't mock it like this. They actually take us for idiot. Like They actually take us for stupid idiot people. Deep it. Because look at it. They question your sanity and things like that, man. It don't make, it don't make no sense. Like, come on, what's all of this? What is all of this, people? But moving on from all of that, all of that wallahi, all that wallah, man, people. Um, Wallahi, I hate talking about shit like that, man. But moving on. We might as well speak about the Premier League. Now, I'm going to leave Arsenal till last, people. I'm going to leave Arsenal till last because I want to hit the record button on my camera. Um... But now, West Ham versus Spurs. Jose Mourinho's first game. Let's look at the statistical stuff. Hopefully, West Ham can do a job. You know, West Ham like to turn up against Spurs for no reason and spoil their day. And obviously, West Ham, come on, man, be our allies in this thing. Um, let us beat you at your place, but don't don't let Spurs beat you. West Ham are looking to secure consecutive league wins over Spurs since beating them in both matches since the 2013-14 season. Tottenham have won three of their last five away games against West Ham, losing two, which obviously were the last two in a row. They've never won three consecutive top flight away games against the Hammers. In all competitions, the away side has won five of the last six meetings um, between West Ham and Spurs, two wins for West Ham and three for Spurs. With the other ending 1-1. West Ham lost their last home league London derby 2-1 v Crystal Palace. They've not lost back-to-back -back, um, such games in the London Stadium since 2015. Um, where they was at, where they was previously at, at Upton Park, the bowling ground. Spurs are obviously winless in, in 12 Premier League games, people. Losing 9 and drawing 3, which is their third longest such run in the competition. So that's the first thing Jose has to identify and eradicate. Playing poorly and away games. Adding on from that, um, they they only they only they only dropped fourteen points in the whole of twenty eighteen nineteen. This season, they've dropped a league high of twelve points from winning positions. People in the league, so that shows their concentration similar to Arsenal wasn't there. Another thing, Jose Mourinho is going to have to quickly identify people if he wants to improve them. Spurs have obviously scored in both halves in their last twelve Premier League matches so far this season. Um, They've got. They've obviously. They've actually gone 83 Premier League games without a nil-nil draw. Um, longest run since 1999 to 2000. Kane has scored 28 in 45 London derbies. Only Teddy Sheringham, Frank Lampard, and you saved the best till last. 43 goals in such. King Thierry Henry have done better. People. Um, he's also averaged a goal every 132 minutes in such fixtures. Again, only second to Thierry Henry, which is 114. Um, um, Pellegrini's only lost more games against Liverpool than he has Spurs which might give Spurs some encouragement I want West Ham to win but I think Spurs will win purely because of you know the bounce back teams go through when they employ a new manager people I just think they'll get off to a winning start hopefully West Ham Pellegrini Jack Wilshere Anderson all the man them can prove me wrong West Ham fans if you're watching this West Ham players if you're watching this Mikel Antonio who's given me his shirt previously Make sure you lot win, man. Make sure you win. I swear you was at Spurs as a kid, Antonio. I don't know if they released you or not, but make sure you turn up against them. Moving on, you've got Bournemouth versus Wolverhampton, people. Now, Bournemouth are unbeaten in their last four home league games against Wolves. 
Wolves have only kept one clean sheet in 13 previous meetings against Bournemouth. Bournemouth are obviously looking to secure back-to-back home Premier League wins for the first time since January. This is obviously off the back of a good performance claiming three points against Manchester United. Wolves are actually um, on their longest run without a defeat in the top flight since 1973-1974. They're unbeaten in their last seven drawing four, winning three. So while Wolves, in my opinion, haven't had the best of seasons from the personal point of view, um, and many people would have thought they'd be doing what Leicester is doing, they've gone for a decent bit of form recently. They've only... Um, but one thing that should give Bournemouth confidence to claim back-to-back victories, Wolves have only won just one of their last seven away league games, people, and that victory was obviously against Manchester City, which was a good three points. Bournemouth have scored a league high of 67% of Premier League goals this season in the first half of games, people. While Wolves have netted the highest share after half-time. So that could be a both teams to score, Bournemouth to score first, Wolves to score in the second half sort of thing, people. 47% of Bournemouth's goals have come from set pieces this season as well, people. Um, only Liverpool are on a longer consecutive run of scoring in, in consecutive Premier League um, games than Wolves. Um, Callum Wilson, who's been called up to the England squad, is actually without a goal in his last five games, people. Um, only Raheem Sterling has scored more goals across all competitions among Premier League players this season um, when when looking at Raul Jimenez. So I think that will be a good game. If I had to tip a team for the win... I think Wolves would do it, you know. I I think Eddie Houseman could put up a, 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 a good fight. I'm going to say 2-1 Wolves, but it could easily end up 1-1. Um, moving on from that, people, you've obviously got Brighton versus Leicester. Now, nobody wants to play Leicester. Leicester are spoiling what already is a complicated party in relation to the top four. There's already six teams competing for it, and there's and now there's seven. And I mean, it's going great at Leicester and rightly so. It's testament to the players, it's testament to the fans and it's testament to Brendan Rodgers' people. Like you look at Madison, he's in talks to sign a new deal apparently. Chilwell's linked with moves away, but why would they move? Of course, if Leicester's form goes to, the, to down downhill, they don't get Champions League, they can revisit that. But why would they want to leave in January? They've got a manager giving them confidence. They've got a fan giving them confidence. They've got a team that's playing consistent and everybody's doing their job and pushing each other. There's no real reason to leave. And Leicester can have a good season qualifying for the Champions League. And you have to give it to them. They have a great side, people. They go away to Brighton, people. Brighton are winless in their last four games, Um against against Leicester losing three and drawing one conceding two goals in each of their last in each of the three defeats people so Leicester probably should be expected to ship goals Leicester have won have won only however West Leicester have won just one of their last away six Premier League games against Brighton people um, winning 2-0 in March 2018 Leicester have had a player sent off in both of their previous away Premier League games against Brighton, so that might be one for the betters, put on a, a red card to happen. Brighton are looking to win four consecutive home games for the first time since 2017 in the Championship. Leicester have obviously won six of their last seven Premier League games, which I believe the last one was losing to Liverpool at the death. I could be wrong, but they've... What's it? They've won the last four by an aggregate of 15-1 people, which shows they know how to score, keeping a clean sheet in their last three games. Um, so they know how to score. They know how to keep clean sheets. They're in high, they're in high form. Nobody wants to play Leicester, people. Who wants to play Leicester? You're going to get ripped. Um, 
They've obviously conceded the fewest goals in the Premier League this season, which is eight. And only Manchester City with 35 have scored more than, than, than Leicester. No disrespect to Leicester, but I think that's a very good standing to be on considering the riches of, of attacking talents and the calibre of attacking uh, talents that Liverpool, that, that um, Manchester City have. And they've scored more goals than Liverpool. So, boy, and they've got Mo Salah, obviously Firmino and Mane, two hitmen of the Premier League. So, that's a decent one to be doing. Um, Madison, since the last, start of last season, has scored... The most, has scored more Premier League goals from outside the area than any other player, which includes which is seven. He scored three, three of three of his four strikes this term have been such people. Vardy has scored in in his last four Premier League games, scoring six times in in total. People, so players are playing quite well. And it's actually this is the first time Leicester are playing a Premier League game when starting the day in the top two of the table since the final day of the 2015-16 winning season. So yeah. Moving on to Liverpool now and Liverpool against Palace. Now, Palace away is always tough as an Arsenal fan. Liverpool have won there, but I'm sure Liverpool against Palace, there's you'll, you'll at least have one game where it's, it, it was bad memories. Liverpool are doing great. They're top of the table. They're running away with it, but it's about keeping the momentum and it's about consistently winning and not resting on your lows. Palace will put up a good fight, but I personally back Liverpool to do it. Um, sorry, people. I think Leicester will win 2-1 in the game against Brighton. Liverpool, I'm going to say 3-0. Of course, I hope Palace win, but I'm going to say 3-0. And how can you not back them? Liverpool are defending well. They're Maybe not statistically by their own standards last season, but they're scoring, they're winning, they're playing consistent, they're doing what they need to do. And obviously... You look at you look at their players. They're in great form, people. You look at Mo Salah. He has scored more winning goals than any other player in the Premier League this season, which is four. Mane has scored in each of his last four Premier League games against Crystal Palace. Mane has actually scored seven in in nine Premier League games against Crystal Palace, which shows you these men are on it. Individuals are going to be on it in that game. Liverpool have also had more different have had more different goal scorers than any other side in the Premier League this season. While Palace have had the fewest in four, so they struggle to convert. They potentially struggle to keep clean sheets. It might be a long one, people. Crystal Palace haven't lost three consecutive home league games since March 2018. Um, with the third that within that game, that third game was obviously losing to Liverpool. So there's some negative history potentially these players don't want to be a part of. They've lost three of their Palace. I'm talking about have lost three of their last four Premier League games, all by a two-nil scoreline. Obviously, there would have been another one, people, where Arsenal were beating them 2-0 and that game ended 2-2. So, they shipped goals for fun. Liverpool are unbeaten in 29 Premier League games, drawing 5, winning 24 people. Only four times in the competition's history has a side had a longer unbeaten run. Obviously, 49 of the mighty Arsenal. Chelsea had 40. And obviously, in 2001-02, Arsenal had 30. And City in 17-18 also had 30 people. Liverpool have won their last four Premier League away games against Palace more than they had in their previous 12 against the Eagles people. So, they've, yeah, man, you can't not be confident in regards to Liverpool. They're unbeaten in their last seven games in London. And Palace have also lost six of their last seven Premier League meetings with Liverpool. Um, so, we'll see how that one goes. You've got to be wary of a giant killing and the belly of the beast that is the Premier League people. But for me, I can't say anything other than a Liverpool win. I'm going to say 3-0 Liverpool. Salah gets one. Mane brace. Everton versus Norwich, people. There is pressure on Marco Silva. I must admit, I don't know how he still has a job. 
Norwich, if they want to stay in the league, needs to win people. Norwich have problems scoring away from home. You look at it, their only Premier League away goal this season was what was in the opening game against Liverpool. Um, so they struggle to score goals away from home. Um, they're the only side to have to, to, to have neither won a single point from a winning position nor lost a point from being ahead in the Premier League this season. So they they haven't had games sucked from them, but they've never been able to claw games back. If Everton take the lead, it could be peak for them. Nor- Norwich have lost 18 of their, of their past 21 Premier League away games, picking up just seven points from a possible 63. Norwich also have have kept the joint a joint low um one Premier League clean sheet this season people um the Canaries have also failed to score in a joint six in a joint league high of six Premier League games Everton for them they've lost their last three Premier League games against promoted sides um last last losing four such games in 2001 Norwich have lost their last 10 Premier League games against six ever present sides in the competition um yeah Everton have won just one of their last, have lost, sorry, just one of their last 12 in such meetings. So I can't, I'm having a tough time picking that game. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to do the underdog thing, people. I'm going to say Norwich 2 1. I'm going to say Norwich 2 1. Watford versus Burnley. Both teams have been extremely poor this season. Watford have been atrocious, to put it nicely. Burnley have been atrocious by their own previous standards. And if you look at it, Watford remained unbeaten in both Premier League meetings last season against Burnley, have, pardon me, having lost three of the previous four against such. Burnley have lost just one of their last Premier League, five Premier League games against Watford. Um, the last three, however, have ended in a draw. Watford's win at Norwich last time out ended a run of 15 Premier League games without a win, losing nine and drawing six. And for the first time since February, they'll be trying to get back-to-back Premier League wins. Watford are obviously winless in their last 10 Premier League home games. They've never gone 11 such, which players, unless you want to be part of negative history, you've got a better. Watford are the only side in the Premier League yet to score from a free kick or corner situation with all eight of their goals coming from open play or the penalty spot, which was two and open play had six. In a league table based on away results only, Burnley sorry, would be 19th place people. While the while while Burnley would be fourth in the league based on home games, Watford would be nineteenth in the home table as one of two sides yet to win at home in the Premier League this season. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, so we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see what this one is saying. I'm going to say I'm going to say Watford two two one Watford. I'm going to say two one Watford despite Burnley's home form. I'm going to say two one Watford people. That's going to be what I go with. Manchester City versus Chelsea. Now the pressure is on. It's still early in the in 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 the league, people. But City have lost two games off the top of my head. In fact, three games. They lost to Liverpool, Wolves, and Norwich. People, forgive me if I'm wrong. I swear. So they've lost three games. They're dropping points. They're sliding down the table. You look at Leicester and Chelsea. Mathematically, at this moment in time, they can move ahead of City, whether goal different difference permits. If if Liverpool beat Palace away from home and City are unable to beat Chelsea, then there's going to be question marks over whether City are able to retain it, retain the Premier League for a third time, and if um, Pep Guardiola is able to do it, people, it's a big game, and they're going to need it. They're going to need a reaction. We all know there's no Bernardo Silva, obviously, after he was banned for his tweet, the racist tweet with Mendy, but it is what it is, people. Um, for the stats, City have won five of their last eight Premier League meetings with Chelsea. 
Chelsea have lost three of their last four away games against Manchester City. This is just the fifth time in the last nine seasons that Manchester City are facing Chelsea in a Premier League while below them in the table. City have already lost three Premier League games this season, just one fewer than they did the whole of last season and one more than they did in 17-18. So this might be when you compare Pep Guardiola's three, four years here and just focus on the three league titles that, assuming he won this in May, this might be the hardest one yet, people, for him to do at City. Um, for um, Obviously, for me, I do think both teams will, will, will score and concede because obviously, you know, Chelsea can't keep a clean sheet. That's the one criticism you, you can have of Lampard's men. But for Chelsea, they're looking to win eight consecutive Premier League games. I mean, sorry, eight games in eight consecutive away games in all competitions for the first time in their history. Um, Pulisic has obviously scored five in his last three Premier League games and is looking to become the first ever American player to score in four such appearances in the competition. I'm sure Pulisic's goal scoring record is better away from home than at Stamford Bridge. So that might give Chelsea fans some cause to be excited about um, Tammy Abraham has also has also scored the first goal in five Premier League games this season, um, at least two more than any other player. Sergio Aguero has scored more Premier League goals against Chelsea than any other player in the competition, which stands at 10. He's obviously netted eight in his last six Premier League games against the Blues, including a hat-trick in this fixture last season. Manchester City have 19 goals, which makes them the highest home goal scorers in the Premier League this season. When if you look at Chelsea, Chelsea have scored more on the road than any other side, which is one behind in 18. So there could be goals in this game. The Blues have scored at least twice in their last five Premier League games as well, people. So we'll see what happens in this game. I'm going to say Manchester City to bounce back and win 2-1. But you can never rule off Chelsea and Lampard's men. And it'll be a fantastic game for the neutrals to watch, as we know. Um, Aston Villa versus Newcastle people before we get into Sheffield Aston Villa versus Newcastle Villa are obviously winless in six home Premier League games six home league games against Newcastle Newcastle are unbeaten in their last 12 against Villa winning six and drawing six since losing at Villa Park in 2011 um, Villa have lost their last three Premier League games um, which is they last you have to go back to 2016 for such a longer run Newcastle have lost 12 of their last 15 games Played on a Monday. Is this going to be on a Monday? Oh, is that Monday Night Football? Okay, cool. I didn't know that. So that's decent for them. Newcastle have won their last two Premier League games and are looking to win three in a row for the first time since last November. Seven of Newcastle's last nine goals have been scored by defenders, people. Um, coming into this weekend's fixtures, no side has conceded more headed goals in the Premier League than Villa, which is five, while only Everton... Which is forty six percent have scored a higher share of their goals from headers than Newcastle. So you can draw this one up for yourselves, people. Um, Steve Bruce has lost two of his last three games in all competitions against sides he's previously managed. Um, so we'll see how this one goes, people. I'm gonna say I like Newcastle. I'm gonna say Newcastle two one win. I ain't got no smoke with Villa, but I'm gonna say Newcastle. <sighs> and then you got Arsenal, mate. Then you've got, then you have Arsenal, people. Then you have Arsenal. Now, Arsenal, 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 Arsenal. And I think I've actually, that's my other notes, people, because I drew, I drew over some notes. That's not the actual notes I want to look at. Apologies, people. I know it must be very annoying hearing the papers, but here we go. 
Arsenal, Southampton, 6th versus 19th. Two wins in, in our last nine or something like that is poor from an Arsenal perspective. We need to get something, for me, anything from 10 to 12 points going into that City game on the horizon. Will we get it? Probably not, but that's what we've got to do. I keep hearing players talk about wanting to get top four and how we need to go on a winning run. Now's the time to do it, people, because Southampton have been poor this season. They, they um, But as you know, everyone relishes Arsenal. They're probably sitting there and saying, yo, we, we, we're fighting relegation. Our season starts today. If we beat Arsenal, we go on a winning run. And as an Arsenal fan, I'm tired of giving young players careers, um, letting people, random people score against us, letting people break their goal ducks or their poor form against us. We just need to get three points. I don't think Emre will be sacked if he loses, but considering Jose Mourinho's just gone into Spurs, considering the question marks already at Emre, depending on how we lose and the fashion of the defeat, you've got to ask questions more so than, than already, people. I, I want to win. Obviously, we're unbeaten in our last 24 home games against Southampton, drawing six and winning 18 since losing 1-0 in 1987. Southampton have played more Premier League away games against Arsenal without winning than against any other side in the competition. Sadly, Arsenal are winless in our last four games in the league, losing two and drawing two, um, which is we've not gone a longer run without a win since our six fixtures in May to August 2011. Um, we've won 35 of our last 36 Premier League games against sides starting the day in the relegation zone. So hopefully that means we get three points come four or five o'clock. On Saturday because I'm going to be at the Emirates and I don't want to deal with the stress people I won't lie to you Southampton have lost six of their last seven Premier League games drawing one um, conceding 23 goals while netting just six in return in this run so, however seven of their eight points earned in the Premier League this season have come in away games which is 88% and obviously people Southampton, regardless, we can't see the fact that they're playing poorly and whatnot to take them lightly, as you I don't think any Arsenal fan is. You look at the two one victory against I mean two one defeat to South um to, to City that Southampton was subjective to. City had to get two late 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 minute winners to, to claw the game back. So there are some principles in that game Southampton can take. And I mean if you only lose two nil, two one, whatever it was to 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 Manchester City, then if you apply them same principles you probably will get something, whether that's a point or three against Arsenal. I would love to see us go out there, score two, three early goals, shut the game off and do what has been missing this season, a, a, a perfect performance. But we're a long way away from that. So I just simply want to win and just deal with anything tomorrow. Um, the next day, people, do you get it? We have to go on a winning run if they want to get top four. It's all fun and games talking about how they want top four and how they want this and how they want that and the third people. But things are going to, if you want it, it's going to have to come to you, people. There's no one that can give it to you. The players have to put the consistency. The players have to have the bottle. The manager needs to sort out his tactics. I'm not going to harp on about Emre because you already know him. But we need three points. We could slide dramatically down that table if goal difference doesn't permit. If Just by looking at the table, how much teams are a point or so behind us. So we need to win. We need to win, people. It is what it is. We need to win. We have a negative goal difference. 12 games into a top flight season. For the first time since 1982-83, people. We've lost more games in the Premier League in November than any other month in the competition. Do you get it, people? We know what we need to do. No side has scored fewer first-half goals in the Premier League this season than Southampton, which has been free, while Norwich only while only Norwich 16 have conceded more in the opening 45 minutes against the Saints. So, 
Arsenal don't typically start off games well. I can't tell you many games we start we have started off well. In fact, the one game we did start off well, we we bottled a two goal lead lead sorry against Crystal Palace people. Um, so we need to start off well. Score two three, put the game to bed, people. Put the game to bed. Southampton are quite ranked quite highly for tackles, people. I'm not going to lie to you based on what I saw, and like I said. They rank high for tackles. There's enough encouragement based on that City game to come to the Emirates and give issues. If they are compact, difficult to break down, we all know that nervousness will play into the fans' people. A bit of irrelevant, relevant but irrelevant stats, people. Um, Gabriel Martinelli is, is Arsenal's highest scorer at the Emirates in all competitions this season with five. However, he's obviously yet to score in the Premier League and he's only played 57 minutes um, um, at home in the league for us. Danny Ings has scored in five different Premier League games this season, but has not been on the winning side in any of them, drawing one, losing three. Um, you could probably bet that stuff all changes on Saturday. And you look at Danny Ings, he probably will score against us. And if I was Southampton, I'd get James Ward-Prowse on any dead ball situations, whether that's delivering balls into the box or taking advantage of them people, um, for make, um, taking advantage of them for the strikers people. Um, because... Yeah, that's just where how I would target Arsenal, really and truly. Finally, there's not much to speak about, people, so we might as well go over some transfer business um, and whatnot. Let's start with what have I got first, people? Let's 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 start with let's leave the Arsenal stuff first. In fact, let's start with the Arsenal. Let's start with the Arsenal stuff, people. If I can find it. Ah, oh, where is it? Sorry for doing this people so yeah i found it if we just look at the transfer stuff first people um to wrap to wrap up this podcast obviously jack has kind of been eyed up in regards to returning into the squad against southampton whether he'll actually be involved in any capacity is another thing but um emery hasn't played it down but apparently emery wants to convince jacker to stay at the club and actually not leave in january but Jacques has had his own thoughts, and I do think some of it's probably been lost in, in, in what's the right word, translation, people, because of obviously he's speaking in his mother tongue. But he said, I've got a clear idea as to how things should proceed. Arsenal know this as well. Although I still have a contract with the club, I'll be glad to return so we can finally sort matters out. There will surely be a solution as I cannot accept what happened to me. Emre went on to say, people... My objective is going to be his comeback to help us and to convince every supporter of his commitment with us and his performances will be better and they'll be proud of him in short or long future for us. He is coming back in he is coming back better in his mind. His mindset is 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 better to help us and to be closer to playing when we need him. He feels better and is also feeling that his team is Arsenal right now. So, people, that really doesn't make no sense with what Emre is saying. Emre, that short and long-term future, what Emre is clearly saying is at least until January, if I can use him as a member of my side, Arsenal fans, please don't be shocked when I do that sort of thing, in it, people, because I need to bring him back into the team, or I want to bring him back into the team. Um, And he's also geeing him up a bit, saying he's better in the mind, he thinks he'll be a better player. For what it is, I can't. I wouldn't question Xhaka's commitment. I don't think Xhaka's ever gone out there not to try his hardest. We all just know it's his, it's his consistency and his ability. I'm not going to go over the same topics, but in short, I don't feel the fans are fully justified. I don't feel Xhaka is obviously not in the right completely for his reactions. There are rights and wrongs on either side. 
Um, I want to see an end to it. For me, Xhaka never plays for this team again. But the quick, if Emre wants to bring him in, he's got to do it quicker rather than later. Of course, emotion could still be quite raw and stuff. But we've had the international break. And the longer he doesn't, the longer it becomes an elephant in the room. I think the smart thing he could do, while I don't agree with it, is... You bring Xhaka, you, if you want to play him, you have Xhaka on the bench. He's still going to get booed or jeered when his name is read out on the monitor or if he's brought off the bench or he's warming up and things. There are going to be these initial teething problems. But the more you put him on the bench or keep him in certain things, people, I won't say people get over it, but the less of a shock that Xhaka is in front of their eyes is, a sort, is the sort of angle I'm going at, people. The situation clearly will be revisited in January if it's not being worked on now. He's been linked with low moves, with obligations to buy out to Inter Milan, to AC Milan. He's also been linked with Newcastle and playing with his compatriot Fabian Shaw. So we'll see what happens. We need to come to a solution. I think, like you've seen with Xhaka, it's, it's, it's dead. It is what it is. He'll leave the club, in my opinion, as, as rightly should, because he's not he, away from this. He's just simply not good enough. I hope the club is looking for a central midfielder to bring in people. Apparently, um, Journal Slasher said, and this is Daniel Cutts, I believe he works at the Sun. I don't know how reliable he is, but he's two clubs that have been linked with um, with Lucas Torreira. Apparently, Napoli and AC Milan will both try to sign Lucas Torreira on an 18-month loan deal with an obligation to buy based on objectives being met and a number of appearances. Now, for me, I want Torreira to stay, but if he wants to leave, leave. And I don't know how true these rumours are beyond the fact of Napoli really wanted to sign him when we were trying to sign him. And obviously AC Milan, he's got his former manager there. Desire Lingazil is there. It's very easy to, to, to kind of make Arsenal rumours and, and stuff like that, people. Um, I know it's not exactly transfer news, but to go away from transfer news for a second, people... Um, Emery has spoken in regards to turning it around at Arsenal and he has said, asked on whether he can turn it around. He said, I am optimistic and I also know we need to keep better performances with the team individually and collectively. I know how we can achieve that. First, connecting with our supporters in the Emirates, but then also not only thinking about results. We need to play better and control the game better in 90 minutes. We are winning and drawing, not losing at home. But we really are not convincing the people, the supporters. It's our first objective. I spoke to the players. Our success is going to be starting by being comfortable, strong and confident at home. We want to we want to deserve to win each match. And I mean, you're talking a good game, Emre, but seeing is believing. We heard this. We heard all of this in the weeks we've been going. And I've also... Obviously, I'm not saying don't talk like this because this is the language Arsenal fans should see, but... I also want to see the players. I'm seeing Holding and Socrates and Lacazette talk. I'm hearing Emre talk. It seems like this club, people just talk. The doing is tough. And we seem to fail when it comes to doing time and time again. Like we've shown against Leicester Palace Wolves recently. You keep saying if we go on a win and run, this and that, that and this, this and the third. But are you the man to take us forward? I think, Emre, you've got to look at yourself before you look at the players. But we'll see, man. We need a reaction on, on, on Saturday and if we don't win against Southampton, Emre, leave your P45 in the dressing room. Do what you heard Pochettino and his coaching staff did at, did at the Spurs training ground or whatever. Leave a note on the whiteboard and just leave it because you're not the man really and truly. And it is what it is in that regards, in regards to Arsenal people, in relation to Arsenal. Um, but moving on, Apparently, Jose Mourinho wants to bring Bale back from Real Madrid. Obviously, I've seen you've seen Bale hasn't been having the best of times at Real Madrid, and he's obviously been disrespectful with that 
um, that calendar, not not calendar, the flag thing, which said golf, Wales, golf, and then Madrid. Apparently, Jose Mourinho, as expected, has been linked with two Portuguese talents, Ruben Dias, 22 of Benfica, who is quite a good centre-half. I got him in football manager. And Bruno Fernandes, who who Spurs were close to allegedly last summer. Jose might tip the balance to bring him in. He's also been linked with Matic. (laughs) So, I know he's obviously brought him to Man United. He used him at Chelsea. I mean, it it would make sense. Um, Martin Keown said Arsenal should go and get Pochettino. I agree, but we cannot get him, my guy. Apparently, Barca and Munich want to make a move for Poch. Apparently, Pochettino was forced to say goodbye in a note, people, like I said, rather than in person. And if that's true, that's a bit sour, man. I think the least that could have been deserved is obviously to thingy, is obviously um, to say goodbye. The Mirror has also said that Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen and Christian Eriksen could all sign new deals now that Poch is gone. Um... Apparently, Mourinho has told Levy that Kane, under no circumstances, can leave. We already know we already know Aubameyang might not be wanting to sign a new deal, but he's been linked with Barcelona, and that seems to be the co- the course of it. James Madison is considering rejecting interest from Man United and signing a new long contract. Um, Manchester United are being linked with thirty-three-year-old Roma striker, former Manchester City striker Di Dzeko. Apparently, Ibrahimovic might be going back to AC Milan. I've said this in a previous vid, but apparently Arsenal are trying to sign um, Erling Haaland. And I've obviously invited the mid, the, the striker, sorry, his father to the training ground. Um, Inter Milan are planning a move for Giroud. Apparently, Juventus are trying to to get Kylian Mbappe to snub interest from Real Madrid and join them in Italy, which I can't see that happening. Even who knows? Apparently, and finally, Everton want the chance to sign AC Milan striker Pytek, 24 years of age. He started off very well at Genoa and he started off very well at Milan, but he seems to be going a bit quiet. Apparently, they want to do a swap deal with for Moise Keane. So, Moise Keane. Um, so, we'll see how that one develops, people. But on that note, I think that wraps up my podcast, people. I ain't got nothing more to add or say. So, I'm going to get out of you lots here. People, thank you for checking out the Deluded podcast. If you haven't had enough of your fix of deluded content, make sure you check out my YouTube channel. I'm always bringing out vids and whatnot. So there's content for everyone. I'll obviously be back again for the Arsenal Southampton review. Who knows, you might see some random videos on my YouTube comments. I mean, on my YouTube tab. So make sure you check that out, man. But thank you very much for tuning in to a latest edition of the Deluded Podcast. It's been a pleasure, people. But it's now off, man. I need to go eat some breakfast and go to the gym. On that note, people deluded i'm out god bless thank you for listening